0: Visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A S C E N T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only.
1: Doesn't matter who you are, what program you come from, where you learn how to invest. Rehabbing is a strategic game that you must master.
2: Best ever listeners, before we jump into today's episode, for all my fix and flippers out there, are your financing costs eating away at your bottom line? And are you looking for a way to increase your overall profits by lowering your loan payments to the bank or maybe your private lender? Well, our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land. You know Patch of Land. They've been on the show. Representatives of their company have been on the show many times. They've been a sponsor of this show many, many times. They're back for more because they love you and they love working with the best ever listeners and they've got an interesting point of view on interest rates and that is that it's the interest rates that we are quoted shouldn't necessarily be taken at face value because perhaps a higher interest rate could actually deliver a lower cost to your fix and flip loan and they have a white paper on how that is possible and how that can be applied to your fix and flip business to help your bottom line get more profitable and to help you choose the best uh, lender for your financing needs. So go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless and they've got a white paper for you and it will walk you through the way to evaluate interest rates in terms in general on your loan so that you truly are getting the best interest rate because there are some tricky things some lenders try to do to um, glaze over the fact that their lower interest rate quote unquote, is actually higher based on some technical things that they put into it. So go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless and get that white paper so that you can save money on your fix and flip projects. Patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily Real Estate Investing Podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. With us today, Ryan Garcilazzo. How you doing, Ryan?
1: I'm good. How are you, sir?
2: I'm doing well and nice to have you on the show. A little bit about Ryan. He is the owner of the Garcilazzo Group and he trains people who are just starting out, contractors and wholesalers, how to rehab because he has rehabbed nearly 600 homes and worked with nearly 1,000 investors. He won a top 550 contractor award the past four years and earned a top spot on the Inc. 5000 list. And well, as he said, right before we started the interview, he said he wants investors to see the flip through the eyes of a contractor, not necessarily the investor. So that being said, Ryan, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus.
1: Thank you for having me on. So real quickly, my background is as a contractor for the past 10 years. We own the Garcilazo Group. And in that company, we were general contractors that service Chicago and in Florida, and over the years, we basically rehabbed over $600, probably closer to 700 I like to leave out the first 100 or so because they were all f***ed up. So I don't want to count everything that we messed up, but hey, they do count. But at the end of the day, we figured out the business, and we did figure out exactly how to do this business right and scale it as contractors. One of the things we realized, first and foremost, is our investors simply didn't understand how to rehab, which is common everywhere in every state on every coast. It doesn't matter who you are, what program you come from, First, you learned how to invest. Rehabbing is a strategic game that you must master. So, for example, you have investors who are learning how to real estate invest. That's one half of the battle. If you really want to touch a home and you want to rehab it and you want to do something physically to alter its appearance, you have to know how to do that because just hiring a general contractor alone is not going to get you the promised land. because as an ex-general contractor, I made money off every line item. I hit you with a GC fee. I had change orders coming out my ass and you were going to pay them. Why? Because you're scared I'm going to walk away. You didn't know how I do my job. You didn't understand the construction process because at the end of the day, like I always say, real estate is one industry and construction is a whole separate industry. You have to know both to flip a house. So what we decided to do after all these years, is we said, you know what, there's an opportunity here because I'm tired of seeing and hearing all these investors going to all these meetups worldwide, nationwide. And the first thing out of their mouth is I need a new contractor. Not necessarily true. What you need to start saying is I need further education and training on rehabbing and construction. And that's when we opened up the Rehab Depot Inc. based out of Chicago. What we have is a three-month program where essentially we do one month of classroom time with an investor. We show them how to rehab through the eyes of a contractor. We teach them how contractors operate, how they think, how they work, where they're fraudulent, where they try to scam you, where they try to pad things, how to price, how to bid, the whole nine. The second month is all ride-alongs, and the third month is hands-on at our state-of-the-art rehab facility where we're actually going to teach investors how to cut their own drywall and install their own drywall, how to paint properly, how to frame a wall, how to frame a window, how to frame a door. Why is that important? Because as an investor, if you can understand the time it takes to do these installs, you'll have a better respect for your contractor. More importantly, you'll also understand how long certain tasks take in a rehab so you can better calculate how long a project's going to take. So you're in control. The whole idea is we're no longer the adversary. We are your advocate, and we want to put you in the driver's seat so you have enough leverage to negotiate and work side-by-side with your contractor so you don't have to wonder if he's lying. You don't have to wonder if this is true or not true. You're going to understand the permit process. You're going to understand how architects work. You're going to understand how to read blueprints. We're going to teach you the art of construction, fully focused on rehabbing, and we've been doing that all year, and it's been an amazing, amazing turnaround. I'll tell you that.
2: What are some common things that contractors do to pad their bottom line?
1: For example, at the end of a bid, usually you should have a GCP. When we were contractors, I always had a GCP. I wanted my clients to know what I'm making as my overhead. The GCP in the common world can be as high as 33% if this is a consumer job. What do I mean by that? I mean, if you call me to remodel your kitchen, I could easily charge you 33% markup and you're going to pay it because that's the consumer world. In a rehab, we all know as investors, because I'm an investor as well, that you do have a budget. And usually that budget is very, very tight. In all reality, investors always want the best quality, the best materials for the lowest budget possible. The reality of what I just said, it doesn't work. It's logic. lodging. You can't have the best without paying for the best. The other thing is, in this business, you're never going to get the A-contractor because the A-plus contractor doesn't rehab. They don't need to. They're out building Chipotles and McDonald's and skyscrapers. Why? Because they have their market and their margin where they can make their 33%. What's happening is a lot of contractors now are coming into this game of rehabbing and they're still thinking they can mark up the same price and you just can't do it because the rehab budgets don't hold 33%. You have to be able to charge 10 to 13% and go after volume. The contractor that scaled his business to hundred properties a year is because I was charging 10 to 13% per project as my markup, but I was able to do 10 to 20 projects a month because of that. This is a volume game. So that's one area where contractors are able to pad projects. If they're not putting in a GCP because they're not being honest, for whatever reason, they don't want the investor to see what they're making. I don't see why this is business. So what they're doing now is if the electric line item for a full gut rehab is thirteen thousand five hundred in Chicago, they're gonna make it fifteen thousand five hundred in Chicago and they're gonna put two thousand in their pocket. Then they're gonna put in a line item for maybe the whole house needs to be plumbed in a full gut in Chicago for sixteen thousand. They're gonna make it eighteen thousand, put another two thousand dollars in their pocket. All they're doing is they're fucking up their accounting. They're messing up their books. They're going to have poor money management when it's all said and done. And who suffers? The investor, because the guy is trying to take money off every single line item, but he can't track that. That's an accounting nightmare. Whereas all you had to do is put your GCP at the end and say, "I'm making I don't know 6,500 off this hundred thousand dollar job." Great, more power to you. It's very easy now to calculate your costs because you have a separate line item for that. And if you have a hard money loan that's coming in from your investor. It's easy to track that because most harmony loans have a line item on the draw sheet for a fee, But contractors don't know that. And investors don't know enough to share that. That's why we're here.
2: When you started out doing the rehabs on homes, what were some of the mistakes you made that you referenced earlier?
1: When I first started off, I really didn't have a grasp on understanding what a fix and flip versus a buy and hold price points would be. I didn't have a grasp on what a full gut, a medium gut, and a cosmetic is. Really, I didn't. Until you get in there. And then all of a sudden, you have to problem solve. So I like to consider rehabbing from a contractor's level, like medicine. When a doctor's in surgery, he's got a team of nurses and another physician usually with him. Why? Because they got to problem solve. And you have to be able to problem solve immediately. You can't just let the patient lay there. Well, the house is the same way. When you run into a problem, you got to have a team. That team's supposed to work together with you cohesively so you guys can problem solve and figure out how you're going to get that LVL beam to hold up the wall and the ceiling. How are you going to get your sister joisting in? Do you have enough span? Is the house too wide? Do you need to do something else? Do you need a column? If you're in the basement and you realize in Chicago you need seven feet and you don't have seven feet, okay, now you've got to excavate. That was a problem for us. I knew nothing about excavation. I didn't understand the whole process of you have to remove the current concrete basement pad. You have to trench down a whole foot. You have to hope that you have footings on the exterior walls because if not, you're risking the house collapsing. And then it's also about the season. We're in Chicago. It's cold all the time. Our winters are like Antarctica, bro. So we have to continue thinking about all the outside elements and outside variables on top of that. I was not prepared for that in my early 20s. I simply was not because I wasn't seasoned enough. So it just felt like problem after problem after problem. And then you add the contracting issues of learning with a huge learning curve, add that to investors who also were very new, who didn't understand, A, how to rehab, B, how their lending worked. So I wasn't getting paid on time. I didn't even know how to submit a real draw, to be honest with you. So there's the accumulation of a lot of issues that kind of combusted into an explosion. So you learned very hard, and it was very financially costly on both sides. So that's again another reason why we saw the opportunity over the years. Once we started really focusing on quality and material choices and design and how funding works, we became a powerhouse contractor, and there was nobody to compete at our level because we understood both sides of the fence. We understood real estate we understood investing, and we understood construction. Once we figured all that out, I wanted to take all my mistakes and I wanted to start teaching investors proactively, let's avoid this. It's basically, like I wouldn't go through that door unless you want to waste $1,000. I wouldn't go through that door unless you want to lose and break even on this million-dollar venture because I've been there. and I'm just telling you, you don't have to listen to me, but I've been there, and it's not going to work. School of Hard Knocks, I believe in that. For example, I used to work with hedge funds when we first started. and. They had awarded me my first three projects. I think the rehabs were around twenty-five thousand a piece. So I'm like twenty-five thousand dollars in. I didn't know what I was doing. So I'm paying all this money out for labor and materials, and I forget that I need to start invoicing for draws. What happens is we weren't following some of the protocols and material and spec choices of these hedge funds, so they weren't honoring draws. Hard lesson learned right there. When I'm putting out ten grand a month and I'm only getting twenty-five hundred back to run a job, those are the mistakes I was making, and that's very very real. and still happening today.
0: Mm.
2: On the flip side, what are some mistakes that you see investors make who you come across and you're like, oh man, really? That happened? Or you thought this? What are some of those things?
1: The number one mistake is investors have an expectation of a rehab when they shouldn't have any expectation if they've never done it. So there's a thing called production. In construction, for the rehab, you have three phases. You have phase one, which is production phase. That's preparation, getting prepared. The analogy I like to use is The whole world is always under construction. Roads, highways, buildings, bridges. They're always under construction everywhere you go, no matter what city you live in. Do you think that it only took them 30 days to prepare for that, or did it take them months, if not years, to prepare for a project that's going to take three, four years to complete? It takes time and preparation. The number one problem I see with investors is they're missing the time and preparation because they don't know how to prepare. They don't know what to do first. So what we teach them is, okay, you have pre-walk, you have contract period, Then you have pre-con, and then you're set up for day one demo. All of that has to happen the moment you put the house under contract. If you have a 30-day holding period before you close, there's a lot of preparation that needs to happen in those 30 days so that your contract can effectively start the same week you close on the house. What would you say? You
2: said pre-walk, contract period, what else?
1: You have pre-walk, you have contract period, and then you have pre-con, which is pre-construction period. All of that equally takes about a week to do. And then you have your couple of days before, it's like a couple of days before you go to war. You're like, all right, I'm ready. We've done our walk. Pre-walk is very, very important. That's when the real estate investor walks the home with prospective GCs. There is no scope of work in hand. You're sharing your vision because you're really trying to get feedback from a good GC who's going to give you feedback. A shitty GC is not going to say anything. They're just going to nod their heads and say, oh yeah, we can do this. I don't like that kind of GC. Why? Because as a former GC, I engaged with all my investors. So pre-walk is when you're walking it, you're sharing your vision as an investor. Here's what I like to do. I want to knock down this dining room wall. I want to do an open floor concept. I want to see the kitchen from the front door. I want to remodel the bathroom, refinish the hardwoods, nice chandelier with some wainscoting on the walls. That's the vision. You walk pre-walk with your contract the whole way through. However many floors it is, so be it. Multi-family, so be it. And then at the end of that conversation, you have to get three verbal commitments to get to contract period. You're basically asking him a question in a certain way that makes it seem like you're basically telling him. What we do is we train you to understand how long projects take. So one of the things you're going to get verbal commitment wise is you're going to tell him, all right, well, I put this property under contract today. It's the 28th. I close on it December 28th. I want to make sure you can start that week. Is that a problem? So you see, I'm kind of asking the question, but I'm basically telling him when I want him to start. He's going to say, yes, I have a month to think about it. It shouldn't be a problem. Boom. Verbal commitment number one is in the bag. Next verbal commitment. I've been looking at this. I'm anticipating about an eight-week project. Does that sound good to you? You know what? Yeah. I think I could do this in about eight weeks. Great. I'm going to give you 10 weeks, though, because you always give your contractor an extra two weeks because of inspection periods and surprises that will always happen. You got verbal commitment number two right there. And verbal commitment number three is the most important. You're going to tell him your budget. The idea of this is simple. You think the project is 75000 Fine. You're going to tell him that you need him to do it for 62500 and you're going to start low. So your next verbal commitment is basically telling them, All right, buddy, well, my budget on this is sixty two thousand five hundred. I'm going to get all the contract paperwork together in the next forty eight hours and send that over to you. A good G C will say, wait a minute, I can't do it for sixty two five. However, I could probably do it for maybe sixty five to sixty eight. You know you've already got the money in the budget for it, because you leveraged them low on purpose. So you say, you know what? I'm cool with that. How about we be in the middle? I'll give it to you for sixty seven thousand. You already know you have the loan for 75, so you already have a contingency within your own loan that you're already paying interest on. That's a win. The contractor doesn't need to know that. That's how you negotiate. You've just left your pre-walk with no paperwork in hand with your three most important verbal commitments that you can get from a contractor. Now you go into contract period. You're going to draft up your scope of work a little tighter from the conversations you had at pre-walk. You're going to make sure your budget's a little bit more defined so he understands what he's making on that $67,000 or 67000 and then you're going to have your contract. You have your, a blank schedule in there for them to fill out. And then you have a blank sub list sheet. Let them fill out. If there's going to be subs on this job, you want to know who they are. Send that over to them via DocuSign. Give them a couple days. They send it back. Great. You've got everything done. You can review it. And then you set up for pre-con. Pre-con is usually a week before day one demo. Because remember, in the contract paperwork, your contractor has just supplied you is basically his project timeline. Basically a start date, how many weeks it's going to take, and his tentative end date. So you have all that. So now you can basically say, cool. So you're starting on, I close on the 28th. You're saying you can start January 1st. Cool. No problem. So basically you're going to walk the house between Christmas and New Year's and say, I need the agent there. I need an architect there. If I have an architect on the project, I need my GC there. Because now it's all hands on deck and you want everybody on the team in on any changes you may have made. Maybe you, the investor, have made some changes with the architect that nobody knows about. Maybe you and the agent have made some changes that nobody knows about based on comps now that contractor needs to know. So everybody meets the property. Now you go through the project one last time. It's more detailed and thorough than free walk You address any possible change orders. You renegotiate any possible financials and you discuss all the plans of action for this. So that come week one, a demo, the plan is already set in motion, baby. Mm. That's how you prepare for a budget. That's how you prepare for a rehab. And I guarantee from my personal experience, I've never In the thousands of investors I've worked with, I've never gone through that with an investor who's initiated it. I've initiated it.
2: So that is the production stage, correct?
1: That is correct. All right. What's the next stage? Construction. Construction stage is the next most important part of this. So you want to be able to walk hand in hand with your contractor. Your contractor is going to know more than you. They should, unless you're a contractor. So we have a rehab progress book that we give to our investors. It's a book that we created with the mindset of a contractor. He knows the stages and phases he's going to go through to get things done. So we created a rehab progress book where we tell our investors, always walk to your property twice a week, minimal, more if necessary. Every time you walk a property, you're walking a property with a mission. There's a purpose. You flip with intent. You're not there to sit there and go, oh, look at me. Here's my pictures. I'm putting it on social media so that my network thinks I'm doing something. Because that is all smoke and mirrors. And at the end of the day, when you don't get the return you're looking for, everybody will see that it was always smoke and mirrors from day one. So you walk and you flip houses with an intent. Every progress walk, you're going to go into the property and you're going to continue checking the schedule. Day one, week one demo. Okay. How long is demo going to take? Ask your GC this. Great. We have the dumpster there. Is it there before day one? Yes. Great. How many dumpsters do you think you're still going to need on this project? Two. Awesome. Let me know if there's anything I can do as an investor. Let me know if there's anything I can do to help you so we can keep that timeline because every stage matters. Once demo stage is done, you go in with your project rehab book, you're going to go look at that, and you're going to say, okay, I'm going to go through my first demo phase. I'm going to ask questions. The dumpster was ordered on time? Yes, no. Was the dumpster removed on time? Yes, no. How many dumpsters were needed for this type of project? You make a note of that. And then you write down, were there any issues associated with demo? Maybe there were, maybe there weren't. You write yes, no. Then there's another little line item under the demo phase that says, was there a draw associated with it? Yes, no. How much was the draw that was requested? How much was approved? Because that's always two different things. You can request 4500 but the lender might see two. That's the nature of the business. So you want to document all that. If you have a lot more issues, then there's a box. And that box is where you keep your notes. Make your notes on this demo phase. And then you go through all your different phases as they happen. Your permit and your rough-ins and your mechanical rough-ins and the inspection period then your framing and then your siding and your roofing. You are to go through all those different phases. And it's basically teaching an investor indirectly what phases should be coming up next so that they're learning because they're going to go quality check it themselves. So every time they do a project walk, they're project managing. At the same time, they're able to kind of punch list as they go. They may have noticed the week before that that piece of shoe or that base was cracked, and you made a note of it, and you told your GC, hey, don't forget that that needs to get picked up and replaced. You installed it. It's cracked. It happens. I get it. No big deal. However, I noticed a week later it's still there. I want to make sure you don't forget that. So basically, you're punching as you go so that you're minimizing all the list of things they've got to do at the end of the project. Mm -hmm. You're trying to create a win-win. You're the investor, man. You're in control. The agent works for you. The contractor works for you. The lender's working with you. They all want to make money with you. So as an investor, we are empowering you so that you understand how this process is supposed to work. And that's the construction phase. Very, very detailed. There's a lot of housewalks, two-week minimal, progress checks, checking your notebooks, we also have a plan for our investors that the project that's $100,000 or over on the rehab, go get yourself a pegboard, put it on the wall, drill it into the stud, and put all of your contracts, all your paperwork, all your scheduling, all your materials and comparables and pin it to this board. So that every time everybody walks out, you have something to reference there on the property because if it's a $100,000 rehab, there are a lot of moving parts. And every construction project in the world, whether it's a rehab or a bridge, has a set of construction documents sitting somewhere near the project or on it. You have to have that.
2: With the construction stage, what would you say is the most overlooked aspect of it?
1: The most overlooked aspect, I think, is putting too much trust in your contractors simply because investors don't know enough. So they trust that their contractor is going to guide them to the promised land. And most do. Trust me, not all contractors are bad. Let's be honest. But they need direction. Contractors are blue-collar guys. They're simple. Give me some directions. Give me some directives. Give me step-by-step. Point me in the direction. Crank me up and watch me go. Without direction, they're going to start assuming you don't know what you're doing. So when I was a contractor, I used to see a lot of my clients, if not most, they simply just didn't know what the hell they were doing. So I took it upon myself to make certain decisions. Some decisions I know they'd like, some decisions I know they won't like. And at the end of the day, that causes a problem of communication and transparency because if I'm making decisions on your behalf because you can't make them, because you don't know how to make them, and then all of a sudden later, I made a decision on tile because I knew it was cheaper and you'd like that, but you hate the color but it's already installed, we got a problem. Because now I'm going to tell you, take the initiative then, man. This is your house, not mine. I've been asking for tile selections for a month. They're not here. I have to make a move. My guys need to get paid. The most common issue is putting this trust in your contract because you as an investor don't know what to do next. We kind of help you with that, obviously.
2: And then, is there a stage after the construction stage?
1: Yeah, post-construction. Post-construction is when you want to make sure you work with your contract to honor a warranty for a year, you want to make sure that they've got all their final lien waivers signed. You want to make sure you have your sub lien waiver signed. You want to make sure punch list has been completed once or twice and that is signed. And then obviously any final inspections that need to be done with the cities and villages. Make sure they come for final inspections. Sign up on that so that you have everything you need. Because once you have something going on and you have a buyer that's interested, they're naturally going to call their buyer inspector. And the buyer inspectors, let's be honest, some inspectors, they're paid to find problems. That's what they're supposed to do. I've never heard of an inspector coming out and saying, nope, house is perfect, no such thing. So you want to be prepared with your contractor. A smart investor will hold back $500. The reason why you want to do that is because you want to be able to get your contractor back to the job site if there's some issues that an inspector finds. Now, at the same time, the inspector may find something pretty big that has nothing to do with the original scope of work. That comes down to your relationship with your contractor. In Chicago, we have a lot of power lines that go from the power poles from the alleys to the back of the houses. They actually still connect to the houses. Well, now what they want the contractors to do is if you're doing a full renovation, they want you to bury that line. And that has nothing to do really with the city. It's everything to do with the electric company. For us, it's ComEd. So ComEd wants a $1,000 for you to bury that line. Guess what? That wasn't part of the scope of work. Most countries don't know that. The cities can do whatever the cities want. All of a sudden, it's an out-of-expense budget that's $1,000 that the investor has to pay. And the reality is you're probably not paying your contractor to do that. you got to pay the city to do that. Different story those are common scenarios. Other common scenarios are they don't like the way the water is draining. Maybe they want you to add six foot extensions on the downspot so the water drains away from the house. Little, stupid, annoying things are very common. And most investors who are seasoned, they try to be proactive about that. But again, and home inspector's job is to find things.
2: And I assume, but maybe I shouldn't, that that's the last part of the process, or you got the production stage, a construction stage, and the post construction stage. Is that the final one?
1: Those are the three main phases of a rehab. Okay. Naturally, there's a hell of a lot more that goes on, of course, than I've spoken about.
2: Yeah. Well, what is your best advice ever for real estate investors as it relates to your area of expertise?
1: My opinion is simply this there are a lot of programs out there that are excellent. You have Fortune Builders, you've got Homevestor Franchisees, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Renatus. You have a lot of programs out there that are teaching you how to real estate invest. All those programs are good because you have to learn something. My recommendation is you call a company like ours, but then again, there is no company like ours. So you call the Rehab Depot because if you want to spend a little bit of money up front to help you, it's way better than losing tens of thousands later. And then that whole thing of, I told you so. The reason why I suggest this is because we lived it. I'll go out and I have a lot of clients that listen to this podcast. and I have a lot of past clients that have great relationships that also listen to this podcast. My point is this. They're probably not going to like the fact that I say this, but I'll say easily 90% of my clients over the past decade never reached the return they wanted because they didn't know how to rehab. Don't be that person. If you're new, even if you're a veteran and you're still not getting the returns you're looking for, come learn how to rehab. We have online courses and we have Skype courses. And we also are working in different markets. Give us a call so we can help you walk through the process, man. Cool.
2: You ready for the best ever lightning round?
1: Let's do it, man. Let's do it.
2: First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Today's sponsor, Patch of Land, has got the document for you that you've got to check out if you're a fix and flipper. They show you how a higher interest rate can actually deliver a lower cost to your fix and flip loan. And conversely, how a lower interest rate could deliver a higher cost to your fix and flip loan. Needless to say, you got to know this stuff to identify the best loan terms. Go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Get this document, patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Tired of the noise in the real estate investing space but still want to light your business on fire? Real Estate Deal Talk is an original source of radio shows, podcasts, case studies, and articles devoted to real estate investing for investors, by investors. Discover more at realestatedealtalk.com. That's realestatedealtalk.com. All right, best ever book you've read?
1: Stream Ownership.
2: Best ever deal you've done personally? And not your first, not your last, but somewhere in between.
1: I made $130,000 off one flip.
2: What's a mistake you've made on a transaction that you haven't talked about already?
1: I underbid a job grossly and came out of pocket to finish it.
2: Best ever way you like to give back?
1: Oh, I do a $1,000 giveaway every Christmas. I walk around with $100 and I just randomly hand it out to people on the street.
2: And where will you be during Christmas? No, I'm kidding. What's the best ever way the best ever, way the best ever listeners can get in touch with you, which you've mentioned, but if you can feel free to repeat it.
1: My phone number is simple, 847 You can find me on social media under my name, two names, The Rehab Depot and Ryan Garcilazzo. And obviously on my webpage, group.com. Reach out to us. Let's get you in the program and learn to flip, baby. That's what we're here for.
2: Well, thank you for being on the show talking about, from a GC standpoint, how to see the flip through the eyes of a contractor versus the eyes of an investor and the three phases in the rehab process, the production phase, the construction phase, and the post-construction phase, In the production phase. Make sure that we identify and get the start date, the length of time that it will take in the budget. And you talk through. The
1: biggest biggest thing brother, is the three verbal commitments, man. Just remember that. Somehow, some way you need to learn how to get the three verbal commitments. The first we give a property under contract.
2: And I'm glad that you talked through how to actually have that conversation with them where you kind of did a role play and went through that process. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon.
1: Thank you guys. I appreciate it. I look forward to working with anybody and everybody. Have a good day.
2: Tired of the noise in the real estate investing space, but still want to light your business on fire? Real Estate Deal Talk is an original source of radio shows, podcasts, case studies, and articles devoted to real estate investing for investors by investors. Discover more at realestatedealtalk.com. That's realestatedealtalk.com.